The Alchemical Tech Revolution is sponsored by Anchor. Anchor by Spotify. That's anchor.fm. Hi folks, this is Wayne McCroy, host of the Alchemical Tech Revolution podcast. I'm here to tell you tonight about Anchor. Anchor is one of the best podcast distribution apps out there. Uh, They offer various ways to create, distribute, and monetize your podcast all for free, and they have some of the best built-in uploading, recording, and editing tools available in the industry. From start to finish, they can help you to set up your podcast. So if you are interested in starting a podcast, check out anchor.fm. Or if you are already a podcaster and you're looking for distribution solutions for your podcast, check out anchor.fm. Come with me.
You're listening to the Alchemical Tech Revolution, and I am your host, Wayne McRoy. Good evening, everyone. Tonight, we're going to discuss social credit scores and digital IDs. Are you ready for what's coming? Uh, we've already seen the rollout of this in China and uh, this whole idea of a social credit system. Uh, will be expanding to major parts of the Western world very soon. Uh, make no mistake about it. And that's uh, much of what we're being uh, conditioned for right now. This is what's been going on the past two years uh, in this world is because they're trying to tie everything together into a medical database, uh, you know, in addition to all of these other systems. And everything will be tied to a digital ID, which is biometrically attached to you personally, and all of your uh, uh, financial dealings and everything else will also be tied to this same identification, this digital passport of, of sorts, uh, as well as all your health records. Uh, that's, that's what the major plan is, and they've implemented something similar to this in China uh, for the past several years now, and they're beginning to roll it out in a major way there. And this will be ported over to the West, make no mistake about that. Uh, so tonight we're going to take a look at that, and I'm going to be reading from an article, and it's a well-researched and uh, well-written article, from a publication called New Horizons Global Partners, and that's nhglobalpartners.com. And uh, the title of this article is An Introduction to the China Social Credit System, uh, written by a Drew Donnelly, Ph.D. And this was last updated February 3rd, 2022. Uh, so this is relatively recent uh, that this has been updated, and uh, we could get a basic feel for what's being done uh, on the basis of a social credit score and how this will relate to how we live our lives here. And many people in China uh, who are questioned about this social credit system that they have in the portions of China where they've uh, implemented it, say they actually rather like it, because what else are they going to say? Uh, if they say they don't like it, they're going to lose points, right? And lose benefits that way. So um, we'll go over some of the basics of this so you could understand a little better what we'll be rolling out here in the West. And make no mistake about it, they already have a dossier on every single one of us. A social credit score. It's already in place. The system's already in place. They just haven't rolled it out publicly yet and implemented it. But uh, they have this dossier on each individual here in the United States and I'm sure every other Western country around the world. So, uh, you know, that being the case, it's just a matter of time before they could attach it to a biometric ID, uh, which would be connected directly to your person and uh, to your bank account. And every other facet of your life will be attached to this digital ID and it will be run off of a blockchain utility because that is exactly what they're looking for. Why do you think they're so interested in cryptocurrency and stuff all of a sudden uh, with being able to tax that and everything else? We see a big push for that uh, in recent months here, and they're also talking about a central bank digital currency, and they have been talking about that for some time. So uh, all these things do tie together, and it's all about uh, linking everybody into this system, this one-world system this utility, this uh, what I would call the Antichrist system. Uh, that's what this is all about, and it all leads to the advent of the transhumanist philosophy. Uh, so that's exactly what we're looking at here. This is a step towards what they call the singularity of transhumanism. Once you could link everybody into this digital utility, 
and have this, uh, this social credit rating in place, that gives you unprecedented control over people's behaviors because many people, they don't want to be penalized for maybe saying something that somebody could misconstrue or take out of context. And just look at some of the examples we've had in recent months here of how some of this works. Like, uh, take for example, and this in my view is a total social engineering uh, agenda and situation that was set up. Take for example what happened at the Oscars with uh, Will Smith and Chris Rock, right? Well, Will Smith was banned now from uh, the Academy for 10 years or something like that now. So now he's he's been suffering the consequences of a bad social decision that he made very publicly too they made an example of this and this is exactly the kind of idea that they're looking at to try to normalize here folks if you do something dumb it's going to be known it's going to be recorded and you're going to be penalized for it in certain ways and that that's the other side of this and this gets to be a very dangerous idea at certain points but any Anyway, before we continue on here, I just wanted to point that out because that is essentially what that whole debacle has been used to do to try to normalize the idea in the Western world that uh, if you behave badly or do something, you know, that they don't accept as being socially acceptable, well, then you must suffer some major consequence for that. Uh, so they... they made it so that Will Smith can't go to the award shows anymore. He can't be part of the Academy. And, uh, you know, they, they've, they've implemented this and made him look bad. And very. Uh, it, they say that uh, movie deals he had, they, they backed out of and stuff like that. So now the guy's losing work and money over this. So do you see the, the dangerous precedent that something like that sets? And that's exactly what they're trying to roll out with this... Uh, this social credit system, so to say. It, it'll be the same thing, pretty much. It'll be just that for everybody in every walk of life, for every type of behavior, see? And, and this will all be monitored through the surveillance system, the, uh, the artificial intelligence surveillance system, this all-knowing, all-seeing system that they want to set up and they've been trying to set up all around the world, this control grid. Uh, so that's what this is leading to. But let's, let's get right to the, the meat of the matter here and read the article. So this is called An Introduction to the China Social Credit System. The China Social Credit System is a broad regulatory framework intended to report on the trustworthiness of individuals, corporations, and governmental entities across China. In this introduction, we explain what the China Social Credit System is, how it differs from financial credit ratings elsewhere, and how it impacts on individuals and companies operating within China. Key takeaways number one. The goal of the China social credit system is to provide a holistic assessment of an individual's or a company's trustworthiness. And I'm going to pause right there after that first point, folks. Notice it says that this is to provide a holistic assessment of an individual's or company's trustworthiness. This is applying cybernetics methodologies. I've, I've told everyone in the past here, and if you've followed my work for any length of time, you know the importance of cybernetics, okay? Cybernetics being the study of whole systems control. And that's exactly what they're talking about here, a holistic assessment of an individual's trustworthiness. That's, that's what they're trying to set up here via this social credit system. But 
Uh, trustworthiness to to who or for who? Whom will this benefit? See, that, that that's the, the major question here. Uh, so who's controlling this social credit system? And who is it that's making the determination of whether an individual is trustworthy or not? What criteria are they applying to that? And that's what you have to ask and understand because that's the most important question. What standard are they holding you to for this? And we'll get into this as we go a little further. You'll begin to see, uh, you know, how this all aligns here. Back to the reading, though. Number two from the key takeaways. Two, the China social credit system, while still in development, is arguably an extension of existing social rankings and ratings in China, which have existed for millennia. Number three, the consequences of a poor social credit score could be serious. It may affect travel prospects, employment, access to finance, and the ability to enter into contracts. On the other hand, a positive credit score could make a range of business transactions much easier. Number four. It is essential that any foreign business consolidating or establishing their presence in China seek professional advice for managing a social credit score. This applies both to individual scores and the corporate social credit score. And I'm going to pause there for a moment, folks. So anybody who wants to do business with China needs to seek out a uh, <laughs> professional for advice on how to navigate this social credit score system because this affects companies and stuff too. So this is affecting more than just China. Y you need to understand that. So this is affecting outside businesses. Why do you think Hollywood kowtows to China with their movies and will remove certain portions from movies or, or take movies out of uh, the box office there if uh, those within the you know the realm of government there disagree with what their the messaging is <laughs> why do you think that is it's because they want to maintain this business relationship with china and if these movie studios do something that they don't like well then guess what they get uh, a a type of uh, financial punishment so to say from the chinese government so to say and you know they won't support their work right uh, so this is something that needs to happen uh, in China, is if you're doing business with China, you have to be mindful of this system, and your company, or whoever it is that's doing business with China, will be raided. Make no mistake about that, and that's what they're saying here. So you need to seek out uh, <laughs> advice from a professional for managing the social credit score. So uh, many of these corporations, they likely have to hire somebody within the the uh, confines of the, the corporation itself to manage this social presence in China due to this thing. Uh, this would be, uh, you know, kind of what we would say here in America, like the, the equivalent of a, like a, a social, uh, a social platform person, uh, somebody who takes care of the, the marketing or the, uh, the social media aspects of it so it would be like your your social media person but they would be much more mindful of things in china because uh you gotta really be careful about what you say and what you do in china how you present yourself publicly even more so than we have been here in the west and we're being conditioned for this now with uh, the the censorship that's been going on on facebook and youtube and other places this is exactly what it is this is a symptom of the same thing it's all about social credit system right 
That's why it's it's kind of a, a soft usage right now here in the West. But it's there. The infrastructure's there. And they could implement it fully anytime they're ready. It's just it hasn't been completely socially accepted here yet. Whereas in cultures and places like China, they've kind of accepted it and come to know that that's part of their normal way of life there. Unfortunately, that's the way it is. They've, they've been conditioned long enough with this kind of thing to cooperate with it that they, they don't even think about it twice. They just know that that's the way that it is. And uh, that's kind of what they're trying to implement here in the West as well. They're slowly conditioning us generationally to accept more and more of this encroachment and these types of ideas. That's why uh, they push so hard in the school system and, and such with these different ideas, critical race theory and uh, all of this different acceptance ideology with different things and, you know, don't uh, don't speak out against the system. You, uh, you know, you got to be mindful of people's feelings. You need your safe spaces, and you don't want to say anything that's not politically correct, right? <laughs> so, you know, it, it is what it is. This is all part and parcel of the same thing, but that that's essentially what's going on. We're being conditioned to, at some point in the near future, accept a, uh, a um, how should we say, an enforced social credit system like this because right now it's largely not an enforced thing but we do have certain social norms that uh, people have come to accept as being the new normal here uh things about uh you know not offending people and being mindful that you use their proper pronouns or the whole critical race theory thing and and all of these different ideas that have been leveraged against the youth of uh, the western world right now uh, we're being conditioned, and like I said, it's generational conditioning, because they know, like our my generation, we're not rolling with it, right? But uh, it's not for us, it's for our children and our children's children, because these people play the long game. So that being the case, that's why they're trying to implement this stuff, and they're, they're trying to condition society to be more accepting of it. And uh, that's why they've been getting away with so much of what they have, because we've been in the condition of uh, being processed for this whole thing for a very long time now. And like I said, it is a generational thing. So since the end of World War II, uh, we've largely, as a society, been engineered to shift in certain ways towards this type of a system through the generations since then. And uh, we're getting to the point where it's almost the fulfillment of what they're looking for. It's just going to be probably two or three more generations before they have this fully locked in place worldwide like they want. And keep in mind, generations are a very short time. You're talking uh, a generation is, is approximately 20 years when you look at it that way. Uh, so we're talking probably 40 to 60 years uh, is the time frame they're looking at to have everything fully implemented and in place and ready to go with what they call the quote-unquote singularity, uh, which is the point at which the transhumanist philosophy will take over. People will be able to merge their consciousness with machines, or so they, they plan to have happen. Uh, have your brain connected directly to the, to the net, to the web, to the cloud, so to say, um, so that, you know, you... You don't really have cognitive liberty anymore, but you won't see it that way uh, because they, you know, they, they claim that this will be a very liberating thing. You'll be able to exist in whatever type of a state that you want to exist in. 
Uh, and a, a lot of that's all a lie, folks, but uh, we'll not get into that right now. I want to stick to the social credit system, which is the more immediate future of this whole singularity idea that should be coming here down the pike. Uh, let's read on, though. 2022 marks a new phase in the development and implementation of China's social credit system, sometimes known as SOCS or the SCS, and we'll just stick with SCS for now, uh, for the abbreviation, that would be social credit system. Up until now, development has been guided by a national policy document known as the Planning Outline for the Construction of a Social Credit System, 2014 to 2020. And uh, that document, folks, I actually have in my digital library, and uh, it outlines very well what they have in mind, and it seems like they're, they're a little behind schedule with what they want to roll out, uh, you know, with it being 2022 and it hasn't been fully implemented yet. But they have been able to test this system in a large population within China, and they're trying to roll it all out nationally there as we speak. And uh, eventually, it's going to get rolled out internationally, too. And as we can see, if you do business with China, well, whether you realize it or not, you're entered into this system there. And uh, it's going to be a worldwide system at some point. And we're already well on our way to that. But uh, let's read on here. This has seen the development of the social credit system widely throughout China, with an estimated 80% of provinces, regions, and cities having introduced some version of the system or being about to do so. The implementation of the system for corporations, known as the corporate social credit rating, is especially advanced. More than 33 million businesses in China have already been given a score under some version of the corporate social credit system. 33 million, folks. There it is. Always got to throw those Freemasonic numbers in there, don't they? As of August 2021, it is China's latest five-year plan for the rule of law within China. Recent guidance from the State Council and a draft social credit law, which demonstrate the direction of the social credit system. So what is the China social credit system? If commentary in the Western media is anything to go by, it is a somewhat mysterious and scary rating system. In 2018, former U.S. Vice President Mike Pence sounded the alarm bells about China's social credit system, stating, China's rulers aim to implement an Orwellian system premised on controlling virtually every facet of human life, the so-called social credit score. Western media outlets have spoken of the sinister social credit system and a system of total control. Is there any truth to such rhetoric? And what does all this mean for businesses expanding into China? In this article, we break down the China social credit system as it has been developed to date and aim to separate the myth from reality. Going to continue on. This next section here says... What is the China social credit system? The term social credit in Chinese doesn't have a precise meaning. Rather, it is an intentionally broad and vague term allowing for maximal policy flexibility. Going to pause there, folks. There it is. I think that's all you really need to know about it. They call it social credit. What does that mean? Well, it's got a very ambiguous meaning, doesn't it? And it's the same thing here in the West. Okay. They, they, they could say one thing, but uh, 
it's it's an all-encompassing idea. It will mean whatever the the people in charge need it to mean at the time in order to leverage the most control over the people. That's why it's purposely vague or ambiguous. Understand? But let's read on. <coughs> Plugged into a regulatory framework, the China's social credit system, also known as China's ranking system, refers to a diverse network of initiatives aimed at enhancing the amount of trust within Chinese society. The goal of the social credit system is to make it easier for people and businesses to make fully informed business decisions. A high social credit score will be an indicator that a party can be trusted in a business context. The system began with a focus on financial creditworthiness, similar to credit scores used in Western countries, and moved on to include compliance and legal violations. The eventual end state of the system is a unified record for people, businesses, and the government which can be monitored in real time. In more recent years, policy development for the social credit system has moved beyond considerations of financial creditworthiness and compliance to encompass a broader notion of trust. A common theme in the policy documents establishing the social credit system is the term Shengjin, variously translated as trustworthiness, honesty, integrity, sincerity, or morality, depending on the context. More specifically, though, through facilitating trust, the China social credit system supports the following goals. And we're going to look at these goals, and there are several of them. The first goal being what they call financial creditworthiness. As in most countries, firms and individuals need a way of assessing whether others are a safe bet for lending or extending goods on credit. The social credit system aims to rectify this gap in China's financial and business ecosystem. The next one would be judicial enforcement. Enforcement of judicial decisions, such as judgment debts, has proven particularly difficult in China. Part of the purpose of the social credit system is to find new enforcement mechanisms for existing laws and court decisions. And I'm going to pause there. That should be extremely troubling for people. Uh, so this is taking um, the power of law out of the legislative branch and putting it directly into the control of the judicial branch. Do you see how dangerous this is? Uh, this is making somebody judge, jury, and executioner, folks, uh, in, in this kind of a context. Uh, so keep that in mind, but let's read on. The next one, commercial trustworthiness. This means improving compliance and anti-fraud mechanisms for commercial enterprises and those who participate in them. The next one, societal trustworthiness. This covers the broader goal in the social credit system of supporting a more moral society. We see this goal at work in social credit initiatives which value honesty, hard work, and devotion to family. And I'm going to pause there, folks. So essentially they're saying social trustworthiness or societal trustworthiness. Um, this is <laughs> about kind of incentivizing people to behave in what they call a more moral type of a way. Whose morals exactly? <laughs> That's the whole thing you have to ask. Uh, you know, what will be the new normal, right? What kind of a morality are they talking about with this whole idea? 
Uh, this gets to be a, a pretty slippery slope when it comes down to it. Let's read on, though. The next one, government integrity. The social credit system is self-reflective. Bureaucrats and politicians themselves will be subject to the regime with the goal of reducing corruption. <laughs> That's laughable. That's laughable. Because who's in charge of this? Okay, who's going to be leveraging and using this, this system against these so-called bureaucrats and politicians? Well, if I... If I'm correct, I think bureaucrats and politicians run the system, right? So whoever it is they want a blackball that doesn't fall in with the party line will be the one <laughs> that gets nailed with this. All the more reason for them to act in lockstep, isn't it, folks? Uh, do, do you understand what kind of a controlling mechanism this is? Like, if, if you look at this in terms of a, the American uh, political uh, landscape right now, this would be like saying, okay... Well, the Democrats are largely in charge, so if the Republicans don't fall in line with what it is they're looking for, well, they might just go ahead and try to leverage this social credit system against them to either force them into, uh, you know, complying in some way, shape, or form so that they don't lose their uh, social rating or money, so to say, or, you know, their, their office, their job. Uh, this is a dangerous thing. This is a dangerous thing unchecked. But that, that's what it's talking about. So they're, they're planning on leveraging this for government integrity, which sounds good on the face of it, but who's actually the ones in charge of it? Who are going to be leveraging it? And, and that's the major question, isn't it? Who's going to have the most say in what it is that's acceptable? <laughs> that's what you got to wonder about. So all these things are very spurious and questionable at best. So next it lists off, it says, the high-level goals are to be achieved via three key practical mechanisms, and the first mechanism being data gathering and sharing. The fundamental building block of the social credit system is data. Through the system, data is gathered by central, regional, and municipal government bodies, as well as private actors, and shared. Big data algorithms are then used to process th that data in a meaningful manner. And I'm going to pause there, folks. So, who controls this big data algorithm that processes this data in a meaningful manner? Well, who did they just tell us? It's going to be gathered by central, regional, and municipal government bodies, as well as private actors. And let me translate that, government subcontractors. Uh, let me translate what that means by private actors. Government subcontractors, uh, you know, within the intelligence field. You know, things like Facebook and uh, YouTube and Google and Alphabet Incorporated. All, all these places that collect data and share data with government. That, that's who it's going to be. Uh, you know, all these ones that have all this uh, financial backing in government and have their fingers in government. So uh, that being said, um, that, that gives you an indication. This is about the centralization of power more than anything else. All right. Centralization of power. Let's let's read on though. Number 2. Curation of blacklists and red lists. <laughs> the data acquired is used to add individuals and corporations to lists, some public, some not. I'm going to pause there, folks. The curation of blacklists and red lists. I'm going to read this again. It's only one simple sentence, but this sentence says it all. 
the data acquired is used to add individuals and corporations to lists, some public and some not. So what does it mean to be blacklisted or redlisted? Well, blacklisted means you don't get to participate in society, do you? You don't get uh, certain privileges or rights in society, do you? Redlisted means you go right along with the party line, right? So, <laughs> some public, some not. So, you know, your name will be on a public curated list somewhere. And also a not public one where that they use to determine whether maybe you're a threat to the state or not. Do you understand how this works and where this goes? Let's read on here because the next point, this, this third point in this list of uh, the key practical mechanisms of social credit score or the social credit rating is this one. Number three, punishments, sanctions, and rewards. And notice that they use the words punishments and sanctions before rewards. Uh, that should give you a connotation as to how this system's designed and uh, what the implementation and the intention of the system is, okay? Let's read on what it says here about punishments, sanctions, and rewards. Based partially, but not entirely, on presence in the lists identified above, individuals are punished and rewarded. <laughs> Isn't that nice, folks? So if your name lines up on the blacklist, well, guess what? You may not uh, be able to access your bank account at some point. You might not be able to travel. might not be able to buy groceries. Y you know, it, it all depends. <laughs> do, you, do you see how how very much of a slippery slope that this whole thing is. Let's read on. <clears throat> the elements of the social credit system outlined above are put into place by a variety of actors. And let's read what those actors are. Number one, policy direction. The social credit system is, at the highest level, driven by the state council, currently chaired by President Li Keqiang. This is the most powerful administrative body within the Chinese government. It is assisted in this task by the National Development and Reform Commission. This is a macroeconomic policy body, immediately subordinate to the state council, and has a mixture of what would in other countries be called Treasury and Reserve Central Bank powers. The People's Bank of China also plays a prominent role at the highest policy level. And I'm going to pause there, folks. So they're telling you in no uncertain terms, it's the banksters that will be the ones that decide what your social credit worthiness is. Uh, so, you know, this tells you everything you need to know, doesn't it? It's the banksters. Like everything else, it, this is all about the consolidation of more power. Not just power over people's finances, power over their very behaviors, folks. That's what they're trying to accomplish. Let's read on. We'll move on to number two. Central government and court implementation. Dozens of central government departments and agencies have implemented elements of the social credit system, especially the black lists and red lists. Prominent examples include the Ministry of Transport, Ministry of Culture and Tourism, and the PBOC, which is the People's Bank of China. The Supreme People's Court has also introduced an expansive blacklist of debtors under the scheme. <laughs> uh, do you see where this is going? Do, do you understand? This is all about further division between the ruling class and the ruled class. 
okay? The banksters are, this. let's put it this way, this is a neo-feudalist system that they're attempting to engineer, and that's what this is all about. That's what this social credit score is all about. It's about trying to make this an acceptable thing for the masses, right? Because everybody wants a better world, right? You want to know that uh, people have more high moral character and stuff like that and are going to behave properly. And you want to be warned about, uh, say, who's not necessarily the most trustworthy person, right? Uh, so they will leverage these ideas against you. And this is a total violation of human rights and human privacy and cognitive liberty. Uh, but that's what it's all about. It's a violation of cognitive liberty, but they don't want you to have cognitive liberty. Because, see, cognitive liberty, having cognitive liberty, makes you dangerous. It makes you more apt to see through their corruption and maybe do something about it or not fall in line with their system. So they have to break your free will. That's what this is all about. That's what a social credit system is about. It's about breaking free will and engineering society toward the collective idea. And once again, this aligns with the transhumanist philosophy. That's what this is about, folks. It's, it's social engineering of the highest order to get people aligned with the idea of merging with the machine. Okay, merging all human consciousness with the machine and making yourself into one with the, the collective, so to say. Uh, that's kind of what they've been trying to engineer here. All right. I know it sounds like kind of like bad science fiction or something from Star Trek or something at this point, but uh, I'm telling you, uh, they have policy think tank white papers out there talking about uh, transhumanism. They have papers from futurists like Ray Kurzweil talking about uh, many of these same developments. And Ray Kurzweil was the head of Google for quite some time, if you're not familiar with who he is. And he's one of the prominent uh, futurists and uh, proponents for transhumanism. So these people are rollers and shakers, and they have all the connections uh, within the auspices of different uh, think tank groups, which really run this world. Places like the World Economic Forum with your buddy Klaus Schwab, who wrote about the Fourth Industrial Revolution, which has everything to do with this and with transhumanism. Uh, but let's read on here. The next portion here that we'll read about is Regional and Municipal Government Implementation. It is through regional pilots that the social credit system has largely been implemented, including the Model Cities Initiative introduced in 2017. And it says, see timeline below, and I don't know if we're going to bother going through that timeline or not, but just so you get the idea, they started rolling this out regionally in portions of China, and uh, it looks like as of now, in early 2022, about 80% of China has implemented this system so far, to date. Uh, so that being the case, it's it's well on its way to being a national policy there and then becoming international policy at some point because China is the test bed for everything they roll out in this world, these social engineers that run this place, the dark occultists that run this place, as I like to call them, because that's exactly what they are. Uh, but let's read on here. Private company credit ratings and contracting. Several private companies have developed their own credit systems, such as Alibaba's affiliated Sesame Credit, with participation being voluntary. 
Some of these have been developed independently, while others have been developed as part of government trials. In other cases, private companies have been contracted to provide the infrastructure supporting the credit system, such as Baidu's refresh of the Credit China web portal and Tencent's development support for the app. Let's read on here. Next, we're going to get into, it says, historical background to the China social credit system. And uh, let's let's read on here and see. This is about largely about uh, its development in China, and, and it'll probably get into why China is the test bed for everything here. But let's let's read on. Well, the introduction of a unified China social credit system was formally announced in 2014. Precursors to the proposed social credit system have operated within China for centuries. And I'm going to pause there. Oh, it says arguably millennia. And I'm going to pause there. And I'm going to add that uh, something similar has been going on in every country in this world all along as well. It's all about social engineering the masses to capitulation to a certain uh, type of a prospect here. And it's all about further centralized control. Uh, let's, let's read on, though. The idea or philosophy behind social credit might be traced back to the Warring States period of Chinese history. At that time, various schools of thought competed for dominance. And it goes through the schools of thought in China that competed for dominance here. And we'll read through them briefly here. First one's Confucianism. Confucius advocated a holistic conception of human nat nature where individual well-being was connected to good character and the proper functioning of society as a whole. There was Mohism. Mozi suggested that all humans should care for each other equally and advocated a society where all were treated impartially. Legalism. This school, approximately 400 to 300 BC, it gives the time frame here, emphasized the importance of laws strictly enforced from above in order to preserve social order. Though arguably legalism won out, all three of these schools influenced the first imperial Qin dynasty. It is within this dynasty that a mediocrat or a meritocratic meritocratic assessment sorry I can't speak meritocratic assessment and promotion system was applied across the imperial bureaucracy in order to achieve a well-functioning Chinese state. Arguably, this was a rudimentary social credit system, albeit one applied only to civil servants and without a precise score. And I'm going to pause there, folks. So essentially, they're telling you legalism won out. And what's legalism? Let's read that again. This school, or legalism, emphasized the importance of laws strictly enforced from above in order to preserve social order. So you're talking about strict adherence to laws that are enforced by some enforcement mechanism from above. So you're putting somebody in a position where they have, um, you know, dominance over somebody else in this enforcement position. So if you put the reins of power in the enforcement phase of that system, well, that gives them all of the uh, determining power here, doesn't it? Uh, they get to be the ones that tell you what's good and what's not, right? And how you should behave and how you shouldn't behave. So you see where this gets pretty hairy pretty quick. But let's read on. In the 20th century, public record systems have been developed to record the behavior and actions of ordinary individuals. For example, the Hukou system 
in place in its modern incarnation since 1958, registers households, controls internal movement within China, and assigns benefits to households depending on their rural or urban location. The Donggong is a set of records related to an individual within China, recording that individual's performance and attitudes. This file contains a range of information such as physical characteristics, photographs, employment records, academic records, workplace appraisals, convictions, and administrative penalties. This file follows an individual for life, and two copies are held. One is kept by the Public Security Bureau, and the other by the individual's work unit. This file has been used, and still is, for a range of decisions affecting an individual, such as promotions and access to passports. A key proposed benefit of the new unified social credit system is that, instead of relying on a paper record to manage society, the electronically integrated system would expedite the analysis process and make oversight easier. And I'm going to pause there, folks. What does that mean? It's going to be digital. What have I been telling you? Digital. Digital ID. Tracking everything about you, tying it all together in a biometric database worldwide, worldwide, with centralized control on a blockchain utility. And I know everybody will say, hey, blockchain's decentralized. You know what? Who has access to the internet? Who provides you with access to the internet to use the said blockchain? If you can't access, you know, the internet then something being decentralized is worthless. Do you understand? Uh, that's the, the common misnomer here. With the whole idea of blockchain and cryptocurrency and stuff like that, it's a decentralized utility, yes. But how do you access that decentralized utility? Well, there's only select few portals to do so, aren't there? And who controls those portals, folks? He who controls those portals controls it all. Uh, because having a decentralized platform where you keep money that, you know, is ostensibly decentralized and, you know, untrackable or unobtainable for somebody else is useless if you can't access it either, isn't it? So keep that in mind. And, and the whole point of blockchain is not for the decentralized fa factor of it, okay? Even though it is a decentralized platform, they are planning very methodically to leverage that against the masses uh, because it's all about who controls access to this decentralized platform. And understand that. So uh, that, that's an important concept here. So anybody who's holding out hope that this whole digital currency thing or cryptocurrency is the way forward to uh, get out of this centralized banking motif. It's not, because at some point the central banks will be the ones that control the access points to this decentralized platform. And uh, that's why they're working so heavily right now trying to regulate cryptocurrencies more so here in the United States and other Western countries, because they're trying to get this into a centralized utility, central bank utility, and there have been countless white papers out there in the public sector, in the public domain, talking about a centralized digital currency on a blockchain, uh, a centralized digital currency, a central bank digital currency, 
and uh, that's that's basically what's falling in place here so even though blockchain is a utility that is decentralized the control of this decentralized utility will be uh, you know given to those who provide the access to it so if you can't sign on to the internet through a computer or through a web browser of some sort you won't be able to access your money in the decentralized system and therefore it will become useless to you so if they could block your access to the machine well guess what they got you don't they whether you they have control of your cash or not uh, so you know it's it's a spurious thing at best let's read on though timeline of the development of the china social credit system in 1978 to 79 the reforms of deng xiaoping opened up the chinese economy in various key ways including the open door policy that permitted foreign investment in china once more from that point on the lack of traditional credit rating systems as well as significant corruption scandals have been seen as a limitation on economic prosperity by contrast developed western economies like the united states already had computerized credit analysis by the 1960s though scoring systems such as the fico did not rise to prominence until the late 1980s we set out the development timeline for the social credit system below in the mid-1990s the first credit databases were constructed the people's bank of china developed an early database providing financial credit information to commercial banks this was formalized in the banking credit registration and reference system sometimes translated as bank credit registry and consulting system established in 1997. 1999 the idea surfaces then premier zhu rongji assigned a research team at the institute of world economics and politics of the chinese academy of sciences to investigate solutions to corrupt market behavior in response the national credit management system is released advocating a centralized system bringing together data from across china the focus of the system at this stage was economic debt default contractual breach and regulatory non-compliance were to be the key data for the system from this point on embryonic pilot testing of the system began for example in 2000 shanghai introduced a credit system which assessed eligibility for loans by individuals based on payment of utility bills 2004 <coughs> official endorsement from the leadership then president zhang zemin endorsed the social credit system at the 16th cpc party congress in his report build a well-off society in an all-around way and create a new situation in building socialism with chinese characteristics the stated goal was to establish a social credit system compatible with a modern market system in addition trials on a consumer credit reporting database began with 23 state-owned and commercial banks across seven municipalities 2006 credit reference sorry credit reference center established the credit reference center is created to be a nationwide independent credit reporting agency banks were required to start reporting on customer credit worthiness through collaboration with government departments and the supreme people's court additional information relevant for credit worthiness began to be reported 2007 coordinated national policy development the joint interministerial conference on social credit system construction the joint conference was set up to coordinate 
the development of the system. Participants include key government departments and agencies such as the Ministry of Finance, the State Administration for Industry and Commerce, and the Ministry of Public Security. But members were also included from the Central Commission for Discipline Inspection, the chief anti-corruption body in China, the Central Guidance Commission on Building Spiritual Civilization, the chief ideological body in China aimed at socialist harmonious society, and the Supreme People's Court. The, this wide membership, beyond traditional government departments, is perhaps indicative of the all-encompassing nature of the planned social credit system and the move from a focus on financial creditworthiness to broader conceptions of trust. 2009. Regional pilots of the social credit system commence. One of the most well-cited cases was the system introduced in Suning County, Jiangsu Province. Individuals were given 1,000 points, with the ability to gain or lose points based on their behavior. Convictions, or debt non-repayment, for example, meant point deductions. These points were then used to create a letter grade from A to D, and the result of those letter grades affected employment opportunities, access to business licenses, and eligibility for government support. A more recent example is the social credit card introduced in Nanjing in 2016. This offers select benefits to individuals with a high social credit score, including discounts and preferential treatment by financial institutions. Assessment criteria include such considerations as the individual's willingness to donate blood and whether the individual is recognized as a hard worker. Next spot on the timeline we'll look at 2013. Supreme People's Court Debtor Blacklist Established This list publishes the names and ID numbers of defaulters. As well as the shame associated with being on the list, defaulters were prevented from a range of high-end expenditure, including traveling and staying in certain hotels. Notably, it applies to both individuals and the legal representatives and officers of companies in default. In 2017, it was estimated that 8.8 .8 million debtors had been added to this list. Next spot here, 2014. 2014. Release of Key Planning and Coordination Document. The State Council releasing planning outline for the construction of a social credit system 2014 to 2020 in 2014. This document is a culmination of the work of the Joint Conference and has guided the social credit system in its development over the past six years. Five objectives for the system listed in that document include, included the establishing necessary laws and regulations for social credit, the completion of a credit investigation and sharing system for all of China, developing credit supervision systems, a market for credit services, and establishing mechanisms for keeping trust and punishing those who fail to do so. A significant emphasis with this last objective was the development of blacklists and red lists. These are discussed in detail below. Uh, but we're going to keep going on the timeline here, folks of this, of how this all came to be. 2015, National Credit Information Sharing Platform and Private Provider Trial. The NCISP is overseen by the NDRC in conjunction with dozens of other government departments. It integrates all the regularity, 
or sorry, regulatory data used to construct blacklists and red lists. It is this database that the Unified Social Credit Code uses to pick out a particular corporate actor. Also, in 2015, the PBOC authorized a trial for eight companies to test numerical credit score systems based on repayment, purchase history, and personal characteristics. The most well-known was Alibaba-affiliated Sesame Credit. These licenses were not renewed, and instead, the eight companies received a stake in a unified credit platform named Baihang with a a significant stake controlled by the PBOC. And I'm going to pause for a second, folks, and I hope I'm not butchering these pronunciations. I don't really speak Chinese very well. Uh, So let's continue on, though. Uh, The next spot on the timeline, we'll look at 2016. Progression on blacklists and red lists. 2016 saw the State Council emphasize the standardization of blacklists and red lists, See guiding options on establishing and improving the joint incentive system for trustworthiness and joint disciplinary system for untrustworthiness. That's what it says in parentheses. From this point, blacklists and red lists became ubiquitous across government departments with more than 50 in operation. 2017 to 2018, model city trials. Widespread adoption of regional trials of the social credit system, with 12 such cities in 2017 being classified as model cities. Perhaps the most prominent example city is Rongshan. The city introduced a comprehensive grading system and reward and punishment system. The platform involves collaboration between 142 government departments. Hundreds of positive and negative factors go into the final score, with positive scoring individuals having priority access for finance and licenses. In Shuzhou, a collaboration between the city government and Ant Financial with the Osmanthus score was applied 13 million residents. High scores meant, among other things, public transport and library benefits. Okay, next step, 2019. And here's where the rubber meets the road, folks. 2019, Towards AI. The State Council releasing guiding opinions on accelerating the construction of a social credit system and building a new credit-based supervisory mechanism, this emphasized the need for big data and artificial intelligence to provide early warning of risky actors in need of extra regulatory attention. It also recognized the need to focus on market regulation. At the same time, the document called for improved credit repair mechanisms, enhanced data collection, and privacy protections. And I'm going to pause there, folks. Did you catch that? It emphasized the need for extra regulatory attention for risky actors, providing early warnings of risky actors, and implementing different facets uh, to for prevention of, you say, this, uh, these risky acts. <laughs> Sound like Minority Report, people? That's, that's exactly what it's modeled after. Uh, that they're going to tell you, you know, they'll know beforehand. Like, if you, if you were maybe uh, not quite thinking of doing something bad yet, but may someday in the future think of doing something bad, well, they'll know before you, and they'll punish you for it. So <laughs> keep that in mind, uh, even though you've actually really done nothing. But that, that's that's beside the point. You might. And they got to make sure that they keep you under their thumb. they got to keep you in line. Don't think for yourself. Just go along with the party line, folks. 
Let's read on. 2020 COVID-19 implications and further standardization. In December 2020, a draft of the social credit law was released for internal consultation. There is speculation that the eventual law may look like existing provincial social credit regulations that have been implemented, such as Shanghai's. And what's going on in Shanghai right now, folks? I don't think I need to tell you, do I? Let's read on here. COVID-19 also saw the China social credit system altered in various ways to recognize the impact of the pandemic. This is discussed in detail below. <laughs> so, they... they steered the social credit system to deal with uh, compliance of COVID-19 measures. Do you see how how very dangerous this gets? Anything that comes along, right, that they feel the need uh, to try to control people over in some way, shape, or form will be leveraged against people uh, with this system, even more so than it does now. So... Let's read on here, and this will give you a little bit of the nuts and bolts about how this uh, whole system operates. Uh, let's read on here. How does the China social credit work? The China social credit system rates individuals based on the aggregation and analysis of data. In some trials, this has involved a single numerical score, usually between 1 and 1,000, like a FICO score, or a letter grade, usually from A to D. This information is acquired from a range of sources including individual businesses, including big tech, and government entities. Some of the information is siloed and accessible only by the individual regional or central government authority. I'm going to pause there, folks. So they have dossiers on people, okay? Government agencies, they collect certain data on people that not necessarily all actors in this system have access to. That's essentially what it's saying. Let's read on. But in many cases, the information is shared with other regulators through a centralized database such as NCISP. For example, some of the factors that can be considered in giving a corporate social credit rating include whether the business has paid taxes on time, whether the business maintains necessary licenses, whether the business fulfills environmental protection requirements, whether the business meets product quality standards, whether the business meets requirements specific to their industry. And I'm going to pause there, and I'm going to add, folks, that probably likely what happened is uh, with the advent of this COVID-19 pandemic and the regulations thereof, if your business did not uh, follow the standards or the recommendations for that i'm sure they would probably be you know uh penalized in some way shape or form uh and and judged in this way but let's read on here it is important to note that businesses scores may decrease based on the behavior of their partners this means enterprises need to think very carefully about who they do business with in china is that pointed or and loaded or what uh so you, your social credit score might be affected by who you associate with, right? So you need to be careful who you hang out with, folks, or who you talk to. Uh, that's that's what this is pointing to. Let, let's read on. This is just talking about businesses right now and the, the first uh, aspect of this. But this, this goes to individuals too, folks. Like this is not something the in individual is exempt from. In fact, it's, it's even worse uh, for individuals. Let's read on. 
potential negative effects of a bad score. As the China social credit system is still in a state of evolution, it is impossible to say with certainty what exactly the negative consequences are. That said, based on those elements that are currently in place, as well as existing regional pilots, potential negative effects of a bad score once fully implemented include, number one, travel bans. Reports in 2019 indicated that 23 million people have been blacklisted from traveling by plane or train due to low social credit ratings maintained through China's National Public Credit Information Center. It is reasonable to assume that this will continue as part of China's social credit system. Number 2. School Bans the social credit score may prevent students from attaining, attending certain universities or schools if their parents have a poor social credit rating. For example, in 2018, a student was denied entry to university due to their father's presence as, on a debtor blacklist. <laughs> Number three. Reduced employment prospects. Employers will be able to consult blacklists when making their employment decisions. In addition, it is possible that some positions, such as government jobs, will be restricted to individuals who meet a certain social credit rating. Number four, increased scrutiny. Businesses with poor scores may be subject to more audits or government inspections. <laughs> Number five. This one's great, folks. Listen to this. Public shaming. In many cases, regulators have encouraged the naming and shaming of individuals presented on blacklists. In addition, flow-on effects may make it difficult for businesses with low scores to build relationships with local partners who can be negatively impacted by their partnership. Did you catch that? And, and this is talking right now. This is just talking about uh, implementation for businesses. But this is will be rolled out at the individual level and, and in fact has been rolled out at the individual level uh, within China. So uh, you might, you know, be on, like say, say you have a, a low social credit score. You've been a naughty, naughty little boy or girl, right? So, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe you said something bad about the government or, uh, you know, didn't pay your taxes or something, well, your name wound up on a blacklist, right? And you'll be publicly shamed for that. So you're walking down the street at Times Square and up on the Jumbotron. There's your name and picture up there with your social credit rating score that you were a naughty boy and you don't pay your taxes. You're not trustworthy. Uh, and there you are being publicly shamed before the people. Your transactions will be denied at the local shops because you have a low score. This is a very real look at what the future could be if this is implemented worldwide in this way. So well, let's read on though. Let's read on. We're, we're, we'll continue here for a little bit longer. In addition, businesses of individuals need to be or sorry, need to consider the negative effects that the actions of a person or business can create for others due to a poor social credit score. For example, Engaging with companies that have a low social credit score, such as those that are blacklisted, can reduce one's own social credit score. In addition, if an individual with a poor social credit rating opens a business, the business may automatically begin with a low social credit score. The majority of megacities and mid-sized cities in China have already implemented a trial period of the social credit system. There are many ways to lose points and lower one's social credit score depending on the city where the offense takes place. Some of the more trivial score-lowering actions include 
Number one, an individual not visiting their parents on a frequent basis. Number two, jaywalking. Number three, walking a dog without putting it on a leash. Number four, smoking in a non-smoking zone. Number five, cheating in online video games. <laughs> you could lose social credit for this stuff, folks. <laughs> you could be a naughty boy and wind up on a blacklist. Uh, let's, let's, let's read on here. Some have questioned whether some of these activities and behaviors are bad enough to merit the penalties that result from a low social credit score. It should be noted that the court system is available for individuals or corporations to appeal their score. Well, that's a nice uh, <laughs> nice con consolation prize, isn't it? Knowing that you could actually you know, try to fight this in court if you want. Uh, <laughs> and what kind of a headache nightmare would that be? Think about that. Let's read on. Let's read on. We're almost there. The China social credit system and the blacklist. So far, we have made several references to the blacklists and red lists associated with the China, so China social credit system. So what exactly is a blacklist? China currently has a number of national and regional blacklists based on various types of violations. It is expected that over time, the system of blacklists will be fully integrated with the social credit score. Businesses can be placed on a blacklist due to a particular violation or because of a poor social credit score. A government notice released in 2016 encourages businesses to consult the blacklist before they hire someone or assign them a contract. Please note that companies will not be blacklisted automatically for compliance failures. The corporate social credit system also maintains an irregularity list. This list deals with significant but not yet blacklisted level non-compliance. Presence on this list means the business is in danger of being blacklisted and should quickly take steps to improve its reputation. The Chinese government utilizes the blacklist in multiple ways. The list itself is frequently being analyzed, with the available information on both its citizens and companies listed in their master database working as a template for assigning each person a score. Each person a score, folks. While the China blacklisting system is still in its early stages, it is already the most prominent system of its kind worldwide. China has already put this system into action and has barred thousands of Chinese residents' rights to buy plane tickets and travel, either domestically or abroad. However, most of the blacklisting that has occurred to date has been as a result of violations or misbehavior of companies and the individuals working for them. In its current iteration, the blacklisting system is highly complex. Instead of having a single blacklist used by federal government, there are currently hundreds of blacklists being controlled by various state agencies around China. Every agency has their own jurisdiction in which they operate, giving these localized organizations the ability to blacklist individual citizens and companies that operate within their area of authority. And I'm going to pause for a second there, folks. So this is this is a very convoluted system. So there's there's many different blacklists and there's many different levels of blacklists. So you could be blacklisted in one city and not another right now, but make no doubt about it. This is going to go to a centralized utility at some point, as it's said here in, in the paragraph above. Uh, and uh, when it does, then, you know, you won't be able to get around this whole 
idea of being blacklisted, so to say. So you're going to have to do exactly what the man tells you, unless, of course, you, you know, don't value having food or uh, being able to have freedoms of some sort or another. And this isn't really freedom, is it? That's what this, this whole social credit system thing is all about. It takes away freedoms. It, it turns freedoms and human rights, basic rights, into privileges that are controlled at the whims of the state or whoever runs this system, right? So keep that in mind. It's all about control. Let's read on. It's important to note that being blacklisted under one agency's jurisdiction may leave the affected party subject to blacklisting from the remaining agencies across the country. The level of integration of blacklists differs across the country in between different government departments. It typically takes two to five years to be successfully removed from a blacklist, which often has a negative impact on the privileges afforded to those individuals and businesses in society. And I'm going to pause there, folks. So you do something wrong and you wind up on the blacklist. It's going to take you two to five years to get off the blacklist. Uh, this is kind of uh, uh, on par with uh, some of what uh, we would see here in the West if somebody files bankruptcy, right? You file bankruptcy, then you wind up with some negative consequences for the next 7 to 10 years or so. But then after that, you could slowly build your credit back up again and get to, you know, being able to use certain goods and services. Well, this goes way beyond that, though, okay? Because this is social credit. And, you know, two to five years, that's still a long time to be uh, banned from being able to maybe travel or, uh, you know, being able to go to certain restaurants and things like that, uh, or be able to buy food in certain places. Like, this could really negatively affect people for a good long time. And this would really make you think twice if about violating one of their, uh, one of their regulations again, wouldn't it? Like, if you had a significantly hard time just basically surviving day to day because of your options with how limited they are that would make you think twice about doing something like this again wouldn't it so uh, you see how the control mechanisms built right into it but let's read on here Early removal from the list is possible for some, depending on the severity of the offense and whether the offending party has done enough to rectify the situation in the eyes of the relevant governing body. In addition to being used as a metric for punishing citizens and companies for violating the country's guidelines, the social credit system is also intended to be useful in China's search for signs of potentially harmful behavior before it occurs. I'm going to read that again. The social credit system is also intended to be useful in China's search for signs of potentially harmful behavior before it occurs. This brings to mind the Marvel film Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Uh, if you've seen that movie, you know that uh, one of the uh, major tropes of the movie was uh, that S.H.I.E.L.D., this agency, uh, this fictitious homeland security agency, or Defense Industry Intelligence Agency, however you want to see it. They, uh, <coughs> excuse me, they came up with the idea that they were going to build this weapon system that would eliminate threats before they ever did anything, using algorithms 
And this, this is the same kind of thing being talked about here. Do you see how they, they cue this stuff up in the entertainment for us first? Right? That's exactly what this is talking about. So uh, how will they deal with this? Let's, let's, let's read on here and see what other th factors there are to this. Because next it talks about what are the potential rewards of a good score. It says here, on the other end of the spectrum, there are positives of the social credit system for people and corporations who are determined to be outstanding members of Chinese society. In this context, the opposite being blacklisted is to be redlisted. Also spelled redlisted as a separate spelling for it here for some reason. Redlisting allows citizens and companies access to certain privileges that will impact their day-to-day -day lives. <coughs> There is a range of rewards to businesses that do well in this regard, including number one, streamlined administrative procedures. For example, companies that are classified as an advanced certificate enterprise may receive faster customs clearance. A-rated taxpayers may have their tax returns processed more quickly. Number two, fewer inspections and audits. And number three, fast-tracked approvals. <coughs> How is technology integrated within the social credit system? New innovations in technology are poised to play a large role in the country's social credit system. Artificial intelligence facial recognition software is said to be currently utilized in tandem with over 200 million surveillance cameras in China. Some argue that the purposes of large-scale surveillance measures is to give Chinese officials the ability to track their citizens in every facet of everyday life, in turn providing masses of data to determine whether an act worthy of being blacklisted has occurred. Along with these physical surveillance measures, the Chinese government continues to track the online behaviors of its citizens there are a plethora of violations Chinese officials may be looking for, including evidence of writing and sharing anti-government ideologies. Going to pause right there, folks. There it is. There it is. It's talking about people's behavior online. So if you go on Facebook and you say the Biden administration sucks, well, there you go. You're going to uh, be in violation, aren't you? You're going to lose social credit points. You're not allowed to express your opinion anymore, are you? Only if that opinion aligns with political ideologies of the controlling party in power, right? Let's read on here. The AI software is able to do the majority of this work on behalf of the government and alert officials when a violation has occurred. The technology has advanced to a place where the AI can identify videos of anti-government protests and block users from viewing them. This is full stream censorship, folks. That's full on censorship right there. And it's going on here in the West in a, to a softer degree, isn't it? We see this, don't we? We see this happening in real time in front of us, right? The only thing is, it hasn't been rolled out publicly here yet. You're largely unaware of it. Here in the United States and in other Western societies around the world, they have a dossier on all their citizens. You already have a social credit score, folks. You have one. Okay, they have one on you. It's just not public record yet. Understand that. Let's read on. 
Businesses must be cautious when navigating China's compliance laws as well, as their internet data may be used against them in the event of a violation. Data that reveals a company's lack of compliance in regards to contractual obligations are factored into and can play a significant role in determining the company's social credit score. It is worth noting that, generally speaking, China's public security system and social credit system are distinct. Currently, blacklists and red lists are created via the manual inputs of officials, and there is not yet any full-scale integration between the state's security apparatus and the social credit system. But the key term there, folks, is yet, right? It's coming. It's coming. Make no doubt about it. All right, let's see. The next section here talks about what's the corporate social credit score. And this is more about businesses how to check the status of or rating of your company using other databases, why is the corporate social credit system important for your company, what is the difference between Alibaba affiliated Sesame Credit and the China social credit rating, what can you do to prepare for the implementation of the China social credit system. Here we go. We'll move on to that portion here because this is a rather lengthy uh, article. But it covers quite a lot, and I, I highly recommend go look this up and read it if you're interested in learning more about some of the specifics here. Uh, we're skipping over a couple sections for time's sake here, but uh, I, I wanted to get in some of the important points. So let's read on. It says here, what can you do to prepare for the implementation of the China social credit system? <clears throat> While some valid concerns have been expressed about the trials of the social credit system so far, the potential benefits for foreign companies looking to extend or establish their operations in China cannot be underestimated. If it works as intended, the social credit system will mean, number one, a leveled playing field against domestic companies. Through publicly accessible databases, foreign companies will be able to know that they are doing business with a reliable partner. This is especially important for enterprises when they first enter the China market. To date, this information was primarily known by local Chinese companies in the know. Number two, standardized credit ratings across China. Foreign companies will be able to have confidence that a rating given to a company in Shanghai will be based on the same factors as credit rating given in Shenzhen. In preparation for the implementation of the China social credit system, it is imperative that businesses, both foreign and domestic, understand which information they need to provide to authorities. Once this information is identified, businesses should conduct an internal audit, which will allow full compliance with the necessary regulations. In addition to these measures, businesses should prepare a supply chain audit and confirm that any business partners meet social credit guidelines. Businesses should also analyze their IT and data security, as the transmission of this data to government bodies will need to be undertaken. While not mandatory, businesses should assess whether their operations are conducive to the advancement of government policies. This can include measures of corporate social responsibility that align with government priorities and wider policy initiatives. So... <laughs> Like I said, folks, this is a loaded system, isn't it? Uh, okay, what's the next part here? The next part says, what is the public perception of the social credit system? Now let's read on and see what this is. As the social credit system is relatively new and unfamiliar to individuals and businesses from other countries, it may seem scary. <laughs> That's an understatement, isn't it? 
However, a significant degree of reporting in English language media has been based on linguistic confusions and policy proposals that have not yet been implemented. For example, businesses do not currently get penalized for frivolous spending, as has been widely reported. In many respects, a credit score in the United States, for example, can have just as serious consequences for individuals and businesses as China's social credit system. For example, access to transport can be seriously curtailed in the U.S. due to a poor credit rating through higher insurance premiums and limited access to car loans. <laughs> Sorry, folks, that's not on the same caliber. As much as they want to make it sound like it is, it's not. In 2017, CNBC looked at the similarities between the China social credit system and FICO scores in the U.S. One commentator quoted there, Forrest... Forrest Zhang, professor of sociology in Singapore Management University, commented, From what has been outlined in the official sources, there is noting more intrusive than what is commonly done in the West. Although there has been substantial resistance to the social credit system from a global perspective, it appears that most Chinese citizens approve of the system. <laughs> okay, yeah. Then what choice do they have, right? In addition, those most familiar with the social credit system and how it is being implemented, citizens and businesses in China are widely supportive of the system. Well, of course they are. Or at least that's what you're going to tell us, and of course that's what they're going to say, because they don't want to lose their social credit score, do they? In one peer-reviewed study, 80% of respondents either somewhat approved or strongly approved of social credit scores. <laughs> Just 1% of participants reported either strong or some degree of disapproval in the system. And that, my friends, is how you fudge some data right there. I don't care if that's a peer-reviewed study or not. That is absolute garbage. Just 1%, right? This is a this is how you manipulate data. That's data manipulation 101. All right. That is total garbage. Well, not all studies have shown such a high level of support for the system within China. All show a broad degree of support. <laughs> of course they do. It is important to note that this survey only represents Chinese internet users that participated in the survey and is not necessarily a representation of how the country feels as a whole. No kidding. No kidding. E e well, what do you think? These are probably the people that are earning those brownie points for their social credit that answered this. <laughs> you know? So that should tell you something right there. I'll tell you what. This, this whole thing, what a nightmare scenario. So, let's read on here. The next section talks about, are there overseas equivalents to the social credit system? <laughs> let's read this portion. This should be telling. As noted above, it has been suggested that the social credit system is not so different from forms of citizen evaluation in other countries, such as the United States. Is this true? Below, we consider some of the wide-scale trust and big data programs in other countries and consider how they compare with elements of the China social credit system. And of course, the first one they start with here, folks, is Australia. Well, look at Australia right now. Australia is always the next phase of testing with this stuff that always starts in the test bed of China and ports over to the West through Australia first and then moves to the rest of the West. 
Let's read on. Australia. One of Australia's biggest immigrant groups are New Zealanders who are entitled to live and work in Australia for life under the terms of a special category visa usually awarded on arrival. This visa has a good character test, which has been used to deport those residents in Australia for decades entirely at the discretion of officials. In a recent case, this was used to detain and deport a 15-year-old child. Arguably, this has some similarities with the way China's social credit system can affect freedom of movement based on antisocial behavior. The Parents Next welfare program provides payments for single mothers. To qualify, recipients must verify every week that they have undertaken certain activities with their children, such as attending swimming lessons or going to the library. This has some similarities with the capability of the China social credit system to penalize and reward individuals for private family activities. Are you listening to this, folks? Are you paying attention here to... uh, What's being talked about? Stick around. We're going to read a little more. TrustBond is a private Australian company which uses social media data to come up with a trust score. This can in turn be used to replace traditional cash bond payments for potential renters. This has some similarities with the way in which trials of the social credit system have used social media data to improve overall scores. The City Council in the city of Darwin trialed technology recording people's movements from cell phone data within the city center. When a ping is received at the control center, surveillance cameras can identify the individual and police can be notified. This has similarities with the camera surveillance aspects of the China social credit system. I'm going to pause right there, folks. Darwin, Australia. If you've been paying attention to anything that uh, I or my colleagues over at Crow 777 Radio have been telling you now for years, they always use China as the test model for many of these systems they want to implement, and then they port it over to Australia, and uh, things have happened in Darwin, Australia. This is the first place where they rolled out this uh, a, a type of this system, and it's, it's telling you about it right here in black and white in this article uh, about the similarities between the system implemented in Darwin, Australia, and uh, China. So we could see that. Then this goes on to list a couple other countries and some of the things they do. Germany, Germany, India, uh, and things like that. I'm going to skip past that, though, for time's sake. If you're interested in learning more, you could find this article yourself and read on it. Uh, It's in New Horizons. It's ngglobalpartners.com that it's listed at. Progress on the China social credit system in 2021. Let's see how it's been updated in 2021 here. Progress on the China social credit system in 2021. 2020 was the original target year for implementation of the China social credit system. However, a range of factors, including the impact of COVID-19, has delayed the full establishment of the system. Throughout the course of 2020, there were four significant variations to the social credit system in response to the pandemic. 
Note, these changes were not applied nationally, but regionally and by municipal governments depending on how they were impacted by the pandemic. These included, number one, exemptions from penalties. Individuals or corporations that could show that breaches of contractual or tax obligations were due to COVID-19 were made exempt from the penalties for doing so. Number two. Social credit rewards for entities contributing to containment of COVID-19. Companies which could demonstrate a decisive contribution to the fight against COVID-19, such as those donating medical supplies, were eligible for certain rewards. This included inclusion on a green list which streamlines administrative issues for that business. Number three, penalties for companies exploiting the pandemic or breaking restrictions. Any businesses that could be demonstrated to have exploited the pandemic, such as engaging in price gouging of essential materials or the breaching of quarantine and other coronavirus restrictions, were penalized. Number four, simplified loan granting procedures. In certain cases, individuals or entities in industries heavily impacted by COVID-19 had simplified and speedier access to credit. January 2021 saw the NDRC release a national guiding document for credit information reporting. This is designed to encourage the standardization of credit information reporting between provinces. In addition, the latest five-year plan, Plan on Building the Rule of Law in China 2020-2025, sets out a vision for the connection between technology and law, as well as an intention to progress social credit legislation. As of mid-2021, the legislation is still in draft form, being considered by government departments. In July 2021, two draft documents were released in relation to the social credit system, the National Social Credit Information Basic Catalog and the National Basic List of Punishment Measures for Untrustworthiness. <laughs> what a great name for a document. Listen to that title of that document again. The National Basic List of Punishment Measures for Untrustworthiness. Boy, that sounds like a place I want to live, doesn't it? <laughs> Let's read on. This includes a list of the information that is to be collected as part of the system, covering information related to registration, judicial decisions and arbitration, administrative determinations, professional titles and qualifications, abnormal business activities, being on the list of seriously untrustworthy subjects, contractual performance, credit commitments and their fulfillment, Credit evaluation results, honesty and trustworthiness, credit information from market entities. <laughs> All right. So next it goes into a bunch of frequently asked questions. We'll skip past that. And then the conclusion, folks. Let's read the conclusion here of the article. Conclusion, the China social credit system aims to be an all-encompassing system for assessing the trustworthiness of individuals, corporations, and government actors within China. To date, there is no one unified social credit score held on each individual assessing their trustworthiness. Rather, there are a range of different ratings held by government departments and individual municipal and provincial governments. However, there is an increasing level of cohesion across China with social credit ratings due to centralized information platforms. This is especially the case for corporate social credit ratings and the blacklists that relate to these ratings. By working with a local expert 
like New Horizons Global Partners, you can identify the type of information that you will need to provide to authorities, receive an internal audit to ensure compliance and access due diligence on potential business partners. And then here's the end notes, folks, where it gives you links to other documents that back up many of the things being said here because this platform, this uh, NewHorizonsGlobalPartners.com, is primarily a, uh, a, how should we say, it's a platform for businesses to go to if uh, they are interested in doing business in China. Okay, so this would be a type of a, uh, a, a business that will help you get up to uh, setting up in China if you wanted to do business in China. If you're a business owner and you want to do business in China, this is a firm that basically does social media for you and helps you with the ins and outs of Chinese social media, so to say. Uh, that's what this looks like. It looks like it's a consultant, a consulting business for other international businesses and that may want to do business with China. So, uh, you know, this is this is the real deal, folks. I mean, the, the things they're, they're talking about here, uh, this should be very concerning for all of us because th there is a plan in place to effectuate this kind of a thing worldwide. Make no mistake about that. This whole uh, China social credit system, well, this is, you know, just the beginning phases of something like this. It's going to be taken internationally, and it already exists in some shape or form internationally all over the world. It's just centralizing it into a basic utility and uh, creating a common framework for it. That That's what it's all about. Once they have a common reference point and framework for all of it, then you'll see how this will quickly evolve into a one-world system. Uh, right now it's kind of uh, compartmentalized and, uh, you know, broken into different subgroups and where there's there's different factions that control different facets of this information and, and have different judgments on some of this information. But uh, it's been through its test phases. It's been rolled out largely in China. It's over 80% of China. Uh, a version of it has been ported over to Darwin, Australia and other portions of Australia, as well as places in India and Germany, as it says in the article there. So, uh, you know, it's just a matter of time. And make no mistake about it, there's already a social dossier on each and every one of us uh, that is likely in the hands of some intelligence agency here in the U.S. Uh, they have that information in a database, and they are looking for, uh, you know, dangers, potential dangers from different people, as well as various other things, as was discussed in the article. Uh, so you're, you're talking about uh, pre-thought, okay? They're, they're looking at what they consider pre-thoughts, and this, this all relates to the idea of the Internet of Things and the subsystem thereof that will be developed here in the very near future. If, uh, it hasn't already been initiated to some degree or another, and it, this is called the Internet of Thoughts, okay? And then there's also the concept of pre-thoughts. So uh, that being the case, they, they're going to attempt to predict behaviors before behaviors occur. And they have sophisticated algorithms and artificial intelligence to do this. So they will be able to identify threats ahead of time and potentially eliminate them before they even do anything. How humane does that sound? 
what if these algorithms are wrong? Hmm? <laughs> I'll tell you what. Uh, what a nightmare scenario this whole thing could potentially be. Uh, so we need to, like, you know, really stand up and say we, we don't want any part of this. We need to, uh, you know, stand up against this idea of a digital identification with biometric tagging and all of these different ideas, a health pass. See, that that's why this has been introduced, this whole idea of a health pass, because they want to integrate this with the medical system so that... Uh, you know, they, they have at your biometric data on file with all this other data, and it's all in one place, okay? One central utility to control it all. One ring to rule them all, right? Uh, so that that's what this is about. They want to collect all of that and have control over your life to a degree that's, like, unfathomable right now. But that's ex exactly what these people are all about. They're all about control. They want to control your behavior, everything you do, from cradle to grave. See, that that's what they want, and that's why they want your medical data. That way they can leverage that against you. Oh, you, you need your medicine? Well, you you better do this or do that. Oh, you're, oh, you're only allowed $20 worth of groceries this week because you ate too much last week, and you've got to watch your weight, and your cholesterol's bad. Uh, all this stuff sounds like a very bad science fiction film right now, but I assure you, that's what they're looking for. That's the degree of control they're looking for with people. Uh, so, you know, you'll either comply or die is what it comes down to once this system is fully integrated. That's what it's all about, folks. This is a eugenics-based operation, and it's about population reduction and population control. Uh, that, that's what's been implemented here. And this whole idea of a social credit score tied to a ubiquitous biometric digital identification is part and parcel to that. And this is all leading towards the transhumanist singularity. Because how would you get all these people into a system like that? Well, this is exactly how. Uh, they do it in steps, see. So first we'll implement uh, credit, right? So they rolled out credit cards, came up with that whole concept, got people bought into that. Well, next step is a... a social credit type of a scenario so once you have social credit then uh, you know you have that idea in place and you get everybody uh, bought into the idea of uh, well if you want the best medical treatment it would benefit you to be in this central medical database uh, and then tie it all together so they know everything about you all your information in one place it's very practical and convenient and easy right so when they do that, they introduce these things step by step. So once they have your biometric ID and all of your health data and everything all in one place, well, then at some point they could leverage that against you in certain ways. And in so doing, they could steer you into possibly, uh, you know, deciding to upload your consciousness online because I know that sounds ridiculous, but uh, that's what they're aiming for with the whole transhumanist goal. So once they have everything about you anyway in this database and they control every facet of your life, um, at some point, uh, you know, it'll be, you, you'll, do you want to live forever? And they'll offer you this basic idea that you could live forever in a digital form, in some way, shape, or form that you see fit. Uh, you could have this kind of uh, infinite consciousness, so to say. Uh, you could, uh, you know, 
exist in a virtual reality or exist in any type of a body that you want. Uh, they'll hold this promise over people, and they will even go so far as to claim that uh, this transhumanist singularity or the uh, uh, aspect of being able to, through some kind of a brain-computer interface device, upload your consciousness into a machine, that this will be the cure to all of humanity's ailments, and it'll even be the solution to death and aging. That, that's, that's how they're going to leverage this in the very near future, folks. That's how they're going to sell the whole idea to people, and it'll be much easier to do so once everybody's all bought up into this digital system anyway, right? And this has to do with the, uh, the advent of augmented reality and virtual reality and stuff like that, too. Entertainment, the way that we spend all our time with electronic entertainment. So, you know, that being the case... This all leads towards the transhumanist singularity, and that's essentially what the whole digital ID and social credit score idea is about as well. It's a stepping stone to get there. But anyway, I figured we would cover that tonight, and I hope this was informative, and I hope uh, you all maybe learned something new about this whole social credit score system uh, that's been rolled out in China and which is soon to be going worldwide. So anyway, that's all I have for tonight, folks. Have a good evening, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for tuning in.
Fantasy. Yeah.